wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Do I have everybody's attention now? Sorry about your damn luck. I deserve one more match. It's going to be the end of the world as you know it. Welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio for August 26, 2014. I'm your host of the most, Graham Gison Matthews, once again being joined by my very good wrestling friend and friend in general, John Nichols. Ah, heel by design. Say hello to the people, John. We tied The Rock. We tied Austin. This is our third encounter. <laughs> the trilogy that everyone's been waiting for. It's me. It's me. It's HBD. How you doing, Graham? Technically, if we're talking real time here, uh, it's our second encounter, but to the people who don't know that, we filmed those two episodes. We, we, we technically filmed those two episodes in two different settings. Subsequent hours. Subsequent hours. Exactly, exactly. But we are also, we're also filming this about midnight, once again. But I think our, our thoughts are a little more collected this time, yeah. seeing how we just came off one of the worst Raws of all time. And we're not going to dwell into this right now. We're not going to give a Raw review. we got much better shit to be talking about. There's so much has changed since the last time I talked to you. and um, So, first of all, let me get your quick thoughts on Raw. Oh, so we are going to dive into this. Actually, before... Because, look, i got to put on my scuba suit because I don't like going into all this shit, all right? Go right ahead. All right. So... I'd be lying to you guys if I said that wasn't the worst Raw I haven't seen in the last three or four years. I mean, it was almost reminiscent of Michael Cole swimming in barbecue sauce to close the show. Like, really? Michael Cole, barbecue sauce, closing the show? It was that bad. And it wasn't exactly a failed effort on the WWE creative team's part. It, it just seemed like there was no legitimate attempt to entertain, to to grab our attention. In fact, it seemed as if they were going backwards from what they were putting on this past summer. I, eight I, days ago. Eight <sighs> days ago was SummerSlam. Me and Gr- we'll get into that uh, in a second. We have to. We have to. But it's an absolute joke. And I mean, we're, we're a few minutes into this already, and I don't think I've properly introduced you. And granted, you've already introduced yourself in the past, and the last podcast that I had you on, and just a cheap plug here, I think the episodes I had you on were, I can't remember the exact dates, it might have been, not the one before Summerson, but maybe the one before that, Okay. Um, I, just for people to go check it out, we talked about the WWE Network the first time, we did, the second time we talked about CM Punk leaving, we talked about The Shield, and so much has changed Brock since Lesner. then, Brock Lesnar, a, um, a lot of the stuff going into Battleground, that was before, the weekend before Battleground, and now as we film this on August 26th, we're actually taping this and now we're removed from Monday Night Raw. Eight days removed from SummerSlam. Eight days removed from one of the greatest pay-per-views in recent memory, and hours removed from one of the worst wrestling shows I've ever seen in my life, oh if my you can even God. call it that. But anyway, though, John, in a nutshell, your experience as a wrestling fan, for those of you out there who have not been properly introduced to at Heal by Design yet. I'm going to try and do this as briefly as possible for those of you who really want to know where I got my roots in wrestling, where I started my fandom. You can go back and check the previous uh, Wrestle Rants. But basically, um, I'm from Hamden, Connecticut. Huge WWE fan, TNA fan, all of that. Um, I started watching wrestling in about April 2006. That's that's really where I got my start. Watching Edge and uh, Mick Foley really tear it up leading up to WrestleMania uh, 22. 
Um, so yeah, that that that's really what you know caught my eye as a non-fan turned me into a fan. Um, so yeah, I've been watching wrestling since 2006. I've enjoyed great years. I've enjoyed terrible years. And <laughs> haven't we all? Oh yes. my god! So tonight really brought me back to uh, maybe 2009. <laughs> yeah. Around those, those were the dark ages. And I was hoping for a raw. And we were talking about this when we were watching raw. In that the worst RAW of 2010 was that Power to the People or Viewer Viewers Choice Viewers what it was Choice Night, by far one of the worst episodes of RAW. Not only of 2010, but in my recent memory, or at least one of the worst RAWs I've ever seen as a wrestling fan. And that being said, that RAW closed with one of the best angles I've seen in years, with the Nexus debut and all that awesome stuff that kicked off the summer of 2010, the summer of the Nexus. Now tonight was none of that. We didn't get Cena turning heel on the Wyatts in a big double turn. We didn't get the return of CM Punk. We didn't get the return of Kurt Angle. We got John Cena burying, and I don't use that term all that much, but I think it is proper. I, th I think you can use it in this in this um, case here. I think it's a, a political. In this context. In this context, absolutely. That he buried, single-handedly buried the Wyatt family tonight. Well, my my main beef with the Raw that we just witnessed hours ago is that I don't need the shock value. I don't need cult of personality going off. I don't need Kurt Angle's music hitting. I don't need John Cena turning heel in the whites. Honestly, I feel that at the time period we're in right now, we don't need a Raw like that. We're, we're weeks away from United Champions, so we don't need any huge momentum leading up to that pay-per-view. We just need a nice, steady well-paced, logical Raw, and we didn't even get that. The matches made no sense. The the, the booking the, themselves the, didn't make any the sense. The bookings made no sense. The promos were overexposed as long as some of the superstars. And just nitpicking here, the cameramen were so god-awful. Oh, god my god, the when, camera team. For those of you paying $9.99 to watch the WWE Network, in 30 days, go back and check the August 25th edition of Raw. And I want you to count. You're going to need about three hands to count. <laughs> How many camera botches they made, just not getting, not getting the shots that the producers intended. I mean, Jerry Lawler, just to name a few. Jerry, slapped. Jerry Lawler, Nikki Bella. We didn't even see him get slapped. We didn't see Stardust hit his uh, cross body outside the ring. We John Cena, how he always talks to the cameraman before Missed he goes down the as ring. Well. We got his back. Uh, <laughs> we got his right. back I mean, and the towel. That was I mean, it. I know the budget cuts are are eating away at the WWE, but they have to have some competent cameramen there. They must have been up all night writing the show, and they must have been exhausted oh as all hell, because I, I can't come up with a logical excuse as to why that show was so bad. The camera angling was horrendous. And it's not just a tonight thing. It's not just a one-night-only thing. This has been going on for a while. It was just more evident tonight than it has ever been in a long, 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 long time. It was terrible. Absolutely I mean, terrible. My, the, and, and not only to cap that off as well, you caught your, you, you were the one that caught this. Bray Wyatt... Okay, one of the leading heels in the company being taken out by the medic at the fucking end of the show. Can, it was like I was watching a house show. You can go to the end of the show and on camera, after John Cena, of course, talks to the five-year-olds at ringside, you can legitimately see Bray Wyatt out of character, not only being taken out by the ringside doctor, but having his arm around the ringside doctor as if they were buddies and as if Bray Wyatt wasn't the eater of worlds. It's just, it's, it's, it's unprofessional, really. And I, I mean, I, I get if you strike out with a couple of Raws. I mean, no, not every Raw is going to be great. Not every Raw can be great. But when you're making unprofessional errors like that, <laughs> it, it, yeah. becomes, it becomes hard to swallow. It really does. And just going along with what you were saying, that 
Raws historically going into the fall season are not always great. But we're not looking for the greatness. We're looking for the steadfast programming that we've been getting all summer. And really, I've, I've told people countless times, I'm so proud of what the WWE produced this past summer. And now that we are heading out of the summer into the fall pay-per-views, Night of Champions, Hell in a Cell, Survivor Series, TLC, now that we're getting into that season, I mean, I'm really anticipating that the product is going to start winding down, as it should. But I mean, tonight there was no excuse for tonight. The only assumption that I can make as far as why the hell they put what they put on television tonight... <laughs> Whatever is, you want to call is that. ...is that Mr... Vincent Kennedy McMahon assumed that the Emmys were going to take all the ratings tonight and that he had no shot at pulling any of the, <laughs> at pulling any of the viewership. And he just said, the hell with it, I'm going to put out whatever I want. And that includes Los Matadores going over Slater and the Gator. That includes Mark Henry and Big Show running down to Johnson's <laughs> eight in the worst pairing I've ever seen in, in my entire life. In 2014, Big Show was headlining Raw. Oh my god, that, what else does that include? That includes Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan, and Ric Flair oh. being used at the start of the show, not only being used in the start of the show, but being used poorly as they were rambling, not really making any coherent sense. And being replayed four or five times four over the course of the times. show. Four or five times. Apparently, we, don't, we can't kill 20 minutes with a match. We need to show the same promo four or five times. We can't get a Hulk Hogan backstage segment no. with like a Jack Swagger no. or Shawn Michaels talking to John Cena or something, you know, one on one. We can't get Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, Biggie Langs, and not oh, even no. not, not even a not even a promo, not a backstage, you know, just camera shot of them just together. No, instead we get Kofi Kingston versus Bo Dallas <laughs> and, a, and a three minute splash and to to the camera crew's credit, the one time they actually caught, <laughs> the one yeah, time they actually yeah. caught a bump it was when Bo Dallas <laughs> slipped on the second rope, all right? So they really have to work on their camera spots. They really do. I miss Sim Snooker from WrestleMania 25. He was a better cameraman than what we were <laughs> That is, quote that, folks, at Yo By Design, John Nichols saying that the cameraman from WrestleMania 25 for Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker, Sim Snuka, a.k.a. the nameless cameraman, was better than any cameraman that we have in WWE right now, and I could not agree more with that. That's not the worst of it all. I think the worst part of Raw, aside from the burial of the Wyatt family tonight, was the holding hands in the womb, oh and I wish you were dead God. in the womb before you came out that of it. That was tasteless. That was absolutely <laughs> oh tasteless. God. I mean, I get that you're trying to really sh showcase Nikki and Bree's rivalry as the, the next big Divas rivalry. I mean, you literally just came off one of the biggest ang Divas angles ever. Bree, Stephanie McMahon, now you're trying to translate that into Bree and Nikki Bella. And I get that. But that was the most tasteless, unentertaining, morbid thing I've ever watched <laughs> on WWE. Not only did Nikki just cross the line several times, but the acting was... I, People really, Brie got a lot of heat, uh, was it a week ago, about a week ago, when she uh, left the ring crying, and I, I could forgive her for that. Tonight, her her crying, her weeping, her inability to make any Terrible. to make any offensive maneuver towards her sister, who's just burying her verbally, she had no desire to, to make any offense in any capacity, alright, so Brie uh, Bell is just going to stand there and cry, that's her new character, it's... Cry baby, cry baby, Brie, <laughs> yeah. Brie baby. So, Brie that, baby. so we go from Stephanie McMahon 
Brie Bella, you know, calling each other a bitch, you know, getting each other arrested, just great. Closing cutting, the show cutting, twice. Cutting edge content. And then we go, I, I, we held hands in the womb. <laughs> I, that was great. I wish you died in the womb. <laughs> oh, when we were younger, you stole all my boyfriends. Oh, oh yeah, I thought last week was bad. Oh. This was even worse. Yeah, I couldn't. I can't deal. And then you got Jer- and, the, and then you got the match. Well, we'll get to Jericho's absence oh. in a second. But the eventual match between Nikki and Breeze will fear is me. The promos are worse enough. Their acting is terrible. But neither of them haven't. They both improved. I'll give them that. But they're not an AJ Lee. They're not a Page. And that feud has really jumped the shark too with the whole lesbian bullshit. Like it makes <laughs> no sense at this point in time. I love you, hugging her and leaving. <laughs> like that really took a yeah. turn for the worst tonight too. Everything was bad. No, it but was, it was terrible. And the thing about Nick and Bree, really quick, just finishing my point, is that these girls have turned face and heel countless times on each other. Yes, they've been in the company for this is their sixth year in the company. Yes. So they've been... Well, and consecutively, And consecutive, but since 2008, they've been with the WWE. Yes. And they've been trying to reinvent themselves. I mean, if you remember WrestleMania 28... Uh, oh, the John Lohan Nick- thing. The third time they've split up, by the way, was this past Sunday. And so, and that didn't even matter to me. But SummerSlam, SummerSlam 2014, was the first time that WWE actually pulled off a diva split... And it, it, that I cared about. It, I was mo- emotionally invested in it. And now you're leading us from the promised land... Back into slavery in Egypt, you got. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Who says I wish you died in the womb? I I I, I can't even. I imagine felt so uncomfortable. How many that. how many mothers that have experienced something of that nature who just turn the television off in right a PG there. environment? That is God, not even PG. That that's tasteless in a PG in a, in a TV fourteen. Yeah, and but I'm I, I'm just saying it's PG. The fact that it is PG oh, makes it that much worse. But even something like that wouldn't fly on the attitude oh area. You know God. what I mean? It's absolutely no sense. It, it makes absolutely no sense. In Jericho's absence, Ugh. maybe he's out doing with Fozzie, which is okay, but I, we had no indication of that. Like, I didn't read before tonight's Raw by, like, Dirt Seats or whatever that... Because Jericho put out his schedule for Raw, or for his wrestling shows, months ago. Like, when he came back, he said, um, here are the dates I'm going to be working. And I don't... I've never read. I have yet to read. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't supposed to be at tonight's show. We didn't get a promo. We didn't get anything. And at least yeah. last week, we got a backstage segment with him talking about his match with Wyatt. There was no furthering that feud whatsoever. And I don't know if it's done. They never interacted with each other last week. I don't know if Jericho... I know he's staying until Night of Champions. I was going to say that. As many as, you've, as, many have, as you have heard, that Chris Jericho will be here until Night of Champions. So now that Bray Wyatt has kind of like moved away from the Chris Jericho feud, or so, so we can assume... I don't know what there's left to do. I mean, we saw that Randy Orton is going to be on the highlight reel next week. He wasn't week. even on tonight's show either. Uh, that, Randy freaking Orton, where are you? It makes it's, no it's, sense. I mean, I, maybe Chris Jericho is going to do a three-week program with Randy Orton, which I can't even see that unless... I mean, now that Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins are intertwining, I know, yeah. I, I can't see Roman Reigns interrupting the highlight reel next week. I can only imagine that ends up code breaker and RKO. Mm-hmm. So I really don't know what... I wish... Going into SummerSlam, going into any pay-per-view this this summer, there was a clear angle. You knew what you were going to see, and you were excited because you were going to see it. I have no idea what I'm going to see right mm-hmm. now, and I'm not excited for that. And it's and it's a testament not only to how well we were doing these past three, four months, but to how scary this time of year gets going into WrestleMania season and January. And the football, too. The football season and the ratings. Oh, kind of, you yeah. think they would put forth their strongest content, but it's always quite the obvious. Well, like you just said with the Emmys thing, they figure, okay, we're not going to get the ratings, so 
let's just, you know, put forth this shit, and, you know, let's not even care, let's not even attempt to try to put forth a good wrestling show, and that's what we got tonight. And knowing, just knowing the character and the, the ideology of Mr. McMahon, there's no way he would have ever said, alright, we're not getting the ratings, let's put on bullshit. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, someone, and this is what really saddens me, is yeah. that someone legitimately presented the script for tonight's show, like, uh, it could have been last week, it could have been tonight for it all It could have been at they presented, they presented the script for tonight's show, and someone approved it. That's what's not only <laughs> sad, but scares me the most. That someone, someone literally checked off tonight's segments, tonight's matches, tonight's promos, and literally said, this is what we're putting on the air. This is what we're going to do for August 25th. 2014. And that's what scares me the most. If I was Chris Jericho, I would be disgusted. I would be disgusted. I just put over Bray Wyatt at SummerSlam. Eight days later, this guy's... Like I said before, I don't throw this word around much like a lot of people do, but I think it applies to this situation. The entire Wyatt family was absolutely buried tonight. And at what cost? At what what, what expense of, of Cena? I mean, the guy... You would think... I would have been fine had they had... You know, Wyatt win or Cena win, then go crazy on the Wyatt family. He didn't go crazy. He delivered a few AAs and an SCF. Went out, and to, then he, went out to the audience, shook the hands of five-year-olds. I mean, there was... Makes no, no sense. There's no consistency. But what WWE doesn't do consistently, like you said, the words consistently, is they don't portray character development as well as they should. John Cena, who we all know has been the same character since he got over in 2005, he, with, with a couple minor uh, character development changes, but he's been the same character since 2005. So, what you should do to generate interest, I'm not even talking about a full-blown heel turn, but get, give John Cena a chair, for God's sakes. Give him a chair. He's mad. He's a 15-time champ. He's mad he got German suplex 16 times. He's mad he got squashed in 16 minutes. He's no so the injuries tonight as well. He's, he should be angry, embarrassed even, about what, ha- what took place eight nights ago. And not only was he not embarrassed, he no-sold injuries, like you said. He's off prancing around, having a great time with Big Show and Mark <laughs> Henry. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense, Graham. I mean, we, you and I are partial to SmackDown vs. 2007. We love playing that game. We, we, take it, we take it seriously from time to time. Yes, we do. We, we consider ourselves pretty damn good bookers. Beast bookers. If we, had the Hashtag re- it. if we had the resources, we'd have a damn good wrestling promotion under our belt. And I'm just thinking, when we started playing this game years ago, we could have booked a better, ma- a better show in our fucking sleep. And, <laughs> and, I, and, for, and for self-image issues, I don't like dropping F-bombs. I don't like swearing that much anymore. No, I'm not in, in the privacy of my own home. Sure, not on there. I'm saying tonight's raw fucking sucked, and I I want my 9.99 back. Absolutely. Oh I mean, we're God. sitting here watching the WWE Network. We're not watching it as we're filming this, but we have the WWE Network out in front of us. We were watching WrestleMania 25 before John with a brilliant observation, in that the girl from oh, the God. infamous, not infamous, but the very notable and very well done Daniel Bryan versus Triple H video package leading into their matchup at WrestleMania 30. Um, that you can see her doing the Yes Chan at WrestleMania 28 mm-hmm. when Daniel Bryan was making his entrance, is the same girl wearing the same exact green shirt in the front row. Maybe not the front row, but the first Se- Second row, yeah. Second row. It was a very keen observation on my part. Yeah, absolutely. Myself. I mean, the fact that these WrestleManias were three years apart, and, you know, it was just an image that I retrieved from the Daniel Bryan Triple H promo, yes. which you can go watch in my 
third edition of John's Jargon. Next to wrestling.weebly.com, new hit column, check it out. You can go watch that promo in that article, and you can clearly see at WrestleMania 28, during Daniel Bryan's entrance, when he first got the Yes chant over with the IWC, that there was a girl in a green tank top with pink wristbands on, yesing, being one of the very first people to really take a liking to Daniel Bryan. Yep. She was yesing in the audience. Go go watch uh, WrestleMania 25. Uh, and she's in the second row wearing the same shirt, uh, minus the pink wristbands, but she's wearing the same shirt. And uh, it's just something you don't come across. Three-year difference. It's not three the next year, year. This is a three-year difference. I would contest that she's... Miami? <laughs> Dallas. I would contest... Houston. Oh, Houston. I would contest that she is maybe one of the biggest professional wrestling female fans I've ever come across. That or her boyfriend is. But uh, and if if you're listening to this, you know, give us some digits. I know. Or I, I, can you reveal your identity? <laughs> not even not even for all the sexual purposes, but just like I want to know who you. I want to follow you on Twitter. Screw I, Brock Lesnar, oh guy. God. You are the new shit. I know. You were the the green tank top girl. Get that trend. And you were you were a green tank top girl. You were in attendance for two of the best matches oh in my personal God. opinion. Triple H and Undertaker Hell in the Cell and Shawn Michaels Undertaker 2009 oh WrestleMania 25 great Houston, matches. Texas at 9.53 p.m. The fact, that, the fact that this is a talk to right now is just a testament <laughs> yeah. how nerdy we are. But we're going back to go to talk about consistency. We've mentioned that numbers of time, a, a number of times. And um, I'm a big fan of the Solomon of Sounds Off. It's a podcast. He runs it himself, Jason Solomon. We had him on the WrestleMania radio a couple months ago. He talked about it on his show a couple of weeks ago, and I absolutely 100% agree with this. In that, if WWE was a regular television show like Lost or whatever, Breaking Bad or something, it has no consistency. And if it was a regular, normal TV show, people would turn it off within a few weeks. Think about it. If you had a group of characters that were starting to build some sort of group to, together, Touch. and they, oh, yeah. they, they, they're starting to form com- some a sort of goal. a common goal, and then they just disappear by the next episode, what what happens? You know what I mean? There's no consistency. Would you turn it off? Graham is referring to the um, indications a, a couple weeks back of uh, a, a possible new nation of domination. We'll get into this right now, too. Featuring Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston, and Biggie Langston. And I don't know really any member of the WWE Universe that wasn't in favor for this. Kofi Kingston been, has been bland as oatmeal for a couple of years now. Uh, ever, I, I really got behind Kofi in 2009 when he actually developed a personality against Randy Orton. Um, Biggie Langston uh, dropped the dropped the Intercontinental Championship to uh, Bad News. Bad News Barry. Bad yeah. News Barry, and then ever since he's been doing nothing. Jo- no, even before that, they had been doing nothing. Uh, and it, it, for as long as Xavier Woods has been in the company now, I haven't seen him hold a microphone once on Monday Night Raw. The whole R Truth thing was a bomb. I love all three of these guys. Mm-hmm. Kofi, very talented. Biggie, I thought that he was. He remember he turned babyface a couple of months ago, yeah. at the end of last year, to a big reaction. They did nothing with him, mm-hmm. and Xavier Woods. Um, was Consequences Creed over yeah. in TNA for a while, and I thought that was great, and they've been wasting him away ever since. And that gimmick, that group that they had, the New Nation of Domination, we're calling it that because they didn't really have any common goal established yet, and that's what people just jumped at the opportunity just to think it was a New Nation of Domination. I'm not excluding myself from this because I thought that would have been great. And then PG-14 in a TV-PG environment, we're not going to get a new nation of domination. That's fine. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be about race or African Americans or whatever. And, and it's not even the uh, similarities between the two groups that people are, are uh, 
that are are wanting to see. It's just, just excited that they're being utilized. That, that Xavier Woods, from what I heard, has pretty good mic skills. And I wasn't a fan of TNA at the time when he was uh, there as Consequences Creed. But from just a couple of minutes of what I heard him telling the Kofi Kingston, uh, Biggie Langston, I was very impressed with what he was saying, how he was presenting himself. And I thought that these three guys could have a hell of a run together. And not even a week later, they're 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 nowhere to be seen. And it's. Uh, no explanation whatsoever. No explanation. And not only are they nowhere to be seen, but Kofi and Biggie are split up. Xavier is no longer seen. They're just back to what they were doing back before. Back to jo- oh, Job and Bo Dallas and terrible matches. It is, it is something to it's be... It's a house show gimmick, apparently. It's something to be... I, it is a house show gimmick. It's something to be said that there are guys like... Our, our groups like uh, uh, Biggie, Kofi, and Xavier Woods not being pushed... But then we got guys like Bo Dallas being pushed, and not as as much as I enjoy uh, the humor that Bo Dallas presents every Monday night, every Friday night. Uh, the fact that you know guys who are we've been working with the company, especially guys like Kofi Kingston, who I have a lot of respect for, but guys who've just been working their asses off since they've been the company, and they're and they're not getting what they deserve, and that Bo Dallas just a few short you know weeks after coming on the roster has he's he's working with Swagger now, he's he's, he's which is a feud bound to bomb. Uh, you said you you said yourself, Jack Swagger. Was getting booed by some fans in Anaheim tonight for for what reason I don't know. It very well tonight might as well have been a heel turn for Jack Swagger. They've been teasing him since he lost to Rusev at SummerSlam, which sucks because he's only been a face for two months. We were there at the show; he turned babyface. The yeah. crowd went crazy. Being biased here, but we had the best We the People chant ever <laughs> in the history of WWE. But it's it's just ridiculous. So I would blame a lot of the heat on Swagger on the Anaheim crowd tonight, who was not very good at all. They weren't a good crowd at all. But I would um, can't blame them one hundred percent. The fact that they were more um, willing to cheer Bo Dallas other than Jack Swagger is not the WWE creative team's fault, and they shouldn't act on uh, Anaheim's. Um, wanting to cheer Bo Dallas over Swagger. They shouldn't act on that. It's Anaheim's prerogative. Who they they, were, they were still very much in his corner during his match against Rusev exactly. earlier in the night, too. So. But the fact that they wanted, they were booing Jack Swagger, slamming Bo Dallas, is their, it's their prerogative. Let them be mad that that happened. Please, for the love of God, I do not want to see Jack Swagger going back to anywhere close to where he was. This is fresh, uncharted territory for Jack Swagger. Never seen him as a babyface. It's only been a two-month run. So I'd really enjoy seeing you know, the rivalries, the matches you could have as a babyface. But can we just get to the fact that for uh, for a angle that is easy as booking as butter, how they failed to mess it up. It is beyond me. Grant, let me give you a little booking 101. Jack Swagger, Rusev. Started on June 30th when you and I went to Raw. Yes. We'll start that on June 30th, all right? Greatest Raw of the year. We'll have them We'll have them do a couple run-ins, um, a couple a couple teasers, Battleground. Obviously, Rusev's going to win, but we don't want to make Swagger look... We don't want to make him look uh, weak or anything. We nope. Just, we just brought him over as a babyface. How about a count-out? A count-out victory for Rusev sound good? All right, so Rusev looks... looks Formidable. He looks like a formidable opponent. Yes. Swagger doesn't look weak in defeat. You keep you keep the run-ins. You keep the encounters going. Maybe a handicap match, something to that nature. All right. SummerSlam. You do a flag on a pole match. What the hell is a flag match, WWE? What the? And not only is what the hell is a flag match. Why did you advertise a flag? Was it me or was a common consensus that I thought there was going to be a flag on a pole match? Well, regardless. You have Swagger win the flag on a pole match. You have him win that. That way he beats Rusev without pinning him. So then you got a tie ball game. Yep. All right. You got one win, one win. You need a rubber match. 
So you slow down on the run-ins and the talking promos because now it's getting personal. Now it's going to be a lot more physical, a lot more altercations physically in the ring, backstage, stuff like that. You get to know the champions, all right, wow, WWE, you have a three-month angle that's doing pretty damn good because you're logical. People were into it. All right, so now you got to blow it off, rubber match. Um, how about the United States title because Jack Swagger is the real American and Rusev hates America. Why don't you do it over the U.S. title? How's that sound? Considering <laughs> Sheamus is, uh, not doing very well, Vince, why don't you take the title off him? Even make, even on TV make, most weeks. make it a triple threat if you want. Night of Champions, triple threat. Sheamus, Russo, Jack Swagger. Everyone, no one cares about Sheamus because he hasn't been on TV. Everyone's pulling for Swagger because he's the real American. And they want to see the real American hold the U.S. title. And then you swerve him. Alright, Rusev wins, he goes over Swagger in their three-month angle, new U.S. champion, and then you got guys like Mark Henry, hey, maybe a face Ryback, who can face the new United States champion, Rusev, and not the, the guy who just keeps beating Swagger to a pulp, and no one, no one cares because Swagger looks like a... Uh, can I say this? Because Swagger looks like a pussy week in and week out. I'm sorry. That's Bookie 101, and that's how you book an angle. Shit. <laughs> I hope you got that done right in WWE, because that makes perfect sense, and you could say that with all within five words, and then they completely messed up their booking. Absolutely, they messed up the feud between Rusev and Swagger, and I couldn't agree with you more, because the match tonight I thought was good, the finish I thought was stupid, because it was the same exact shit that we saw at SummerSlam eight days ago. So, I don't know. Anyway, even still, though, um, a lot of talking points. That was only Raw a couple of days ago. Uh, that was only raw as of last tonight. night. Yep. Tonight. But uh, we moved towards that. We moved from that to a few more few more uh, talking points. We haven't even gotten to yet. We're only, with the, what, what are we, in like 20 minutes in? We're almost a half an hour oh, in here to our wow. first show, yeah. But um, with that being said, a lot more talking points uh, that I want to get to. We already talked about SummerSlam and, you know, summer of 2014 for the most part. Um, but I do want to talk to you about this very briefly. We'll keep it brief because we talked about this on Hashtag SGSM this week. Who do you see beating Brock Lesnar for the title? Actually, three questions. Who do you see beating Brock Lesnar for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship? Um, who do you think it will be? And who do you want it to be? This is a very controversial question. Yes. Brock Lesnar. And when? All right. Brock Lesnar, the man who beat The Undertaker at his undefeated streak at WrestleMania 30, the man who squashed the face of the company with 16 German suplexes at the second largest pay-per-view of the year, SummerSlam. He's the new champ. He's the new guy, all right? So the person who beats him is the next guy, the guy who you're putting the ball in their court. So clearly, you need to be someone you have a lot of faith in. You don't need some. You don't need to push someone too early, taking the belt off him, and then him not being able to carry the ball. Yep. All right. So you need someone who you know can carry the ball, and we'll see who gets to that position as we uh, progress through the fall and winter months. Yep. Now, going to your question, Brock Lesnar is a beast. He's the beast incarnate. Only a beast can beat the beast. All right. There, there needs to be someone of equal, not only ability but stature. Like you and I have talked about before. As much as I love Daniel Bryan, Dean Ambrose, they're not going to be the ones to beat the Beast, the person who squashed John Cena, made The Undertaker look like, you know, a little kid. So we need someone like, I'm not saying I want, like a Roman Reigns. Like, I, I, I don't really, there's no one as over as Roman Reigns. Maybe a face Randy Orton, I, I can't even, I can't even just, it's too early to tell. Yeah, it I think it's happened within the next six months. The only person, if, if, you're going to put Brock Lesnar 
versus someone that's the marquee match, the go-home match of WrestleMania 31, the only person as of now that I could see, and this wouldn't even make me particularly happy, would be Roman Reigns. I would, I don't, to me, that isn't really a main event caliber match for WrestleMania 31. That's kind of like what we were fed as of uh, January, uh, the night after the Royal Rumble last year, we had Batista versus Randy Orton, and that just seemed rushed and seemed weird, and I didn't, unorganic, inorganic. Yeah. So, really, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns just seems so inorganic at this point. Mm -hmm. So, I would like to see the strap come off Lesnar at WrestleMania 31. Okay, that's the win part. I would like to see come off him at WrestleMania 31. Whoever beats him, I would like to make him go away for a while because there, there, there's no Brock Lesnar. Okay, yeah, yeah. There's no need for Brock Lesnar to stick around. And I would at this point, it's either going to be John Cena in a return or Roman Reigns. There's really no one else. That's who you think it will be. Um, who I'd like to see. I'd like to. I'd like to see. Uh, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Stip match, WrestleMania 31. I would like to see, personally, um, there's really no, I, I'm not dying to see Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, I really want to see Brock Lesnar, uh, Sheamus, Brock Lesnar, Batista, I don't know if those are WrestleMania caliber matches, but I do want to see those at some point over the title, hopefully, hopefully when Cesaro takes the US title off of Sheamus, maybe we can get into a Sheamus, Brock Lesnar feud for a little bit, and the final few months of 2014, Roman Reigns makes the perfect sense to me if they want to get that, one of those moments, I think it might be one of the first times in years that we get a back-to-back -back WrestleMania where a new star is born each year. We get Daniel Bryan born last year, and the making of Daniel Bryan, it made Daniel Bryan last year, WrestleMania 30, or this past year, 31, Roman Reigns beating the guy who broke the undefeated streak at WrestleMania of The Undertaker. And I think it would make Roman Reigns. How over he is by that point in time, how much the IWC, the internet, the, the diehard fans have turned on him remains to be seen. He might become the next John Cena. He might become the next Batista. It really remains to be seen. I personally am still of the mindset that he is the guy. It's still August. He can come a long way in terms of in-ring skills and mic skills. So I think it will and should be Roman Reigns. A lot of people think it's predictable. But there's really no one else that comes to mind. John Cena, I think it should be done after Night of Champions. I've seen enough of that. That They had a good, great match at SummerSlam, given the fact there was a one-sided squash. And we'll see what happens in Night of Champions. And uh, they're awesome match at Extreme Rules. I think they've kind of beaten that horse to death. Dean Ambrose would have been cool. Daniel Bryan, we can get those matches at a later date. But I think it should be Roman Reigns. And to, just to uh, rebut to what you were saying, um, if Roman Reigns is going to uh, go against... Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 31. Yes. Two things need to happen. Brock Lesnar has a crap ton of heat to gain. I'm talking he has to be the baddest heel in the company. They're at, we have to get to the point where we dread Brock Lesnar being on television. Which you already do. Well, but from a, from a kayfabe point, we need to be to the point where it's just it's it's scary to see him. We don't like it, we don't want him on TV like we were scared of Brock Lesnar. And I think they've done a great job of that already. So far, he has a little more to go. I, he needs to, He has a lot more uh, tactics, a lot more uh, encounters. He has a lot a lot of more legitimate, not that he's illegitimate, a lot to become the top heel, which he is at the moment, To be, but the bona fide top yeah. heel. Yeah. Like the guy that no one, no one wants to mess with, no one wants to cross. A little more heel tactics to get there. That needs to happen. And Roman Reigns needs to become the 
legitimate, the bona fide top star. That means working every night from now until WrestleMania, not getting hurt from now until WrestleMania. And he hasn't got hurt yet, so that's that's good. To, that's good for him. Working on his mic skills. Yep. Okay. And just overall gaining gaining the support of the entire WWE universe, and he needs to do that through rivalries with Seth Rollins, like was teased tonight. Yep. Just rivalries with Triple H he needs, and we talked about this earlier, I think that a rivalry with Triple H, coming over on Triple H, would really be the, the, uh... What's they've been building to since the night after WrestleMania? Yeah. But I think that that would be the real ascension for Roman Reigns into the main event. And making him feel like a legitimate threat exactly. to Brock Lesnar. Exactly. So, yeah. I think that from now until... WrestleMania 31. 31, we have about 214 more days around that number. Um, I think that a lot more needs to happen. Um, between those two characters, if we're going to see them, main event, uh, Santa Clara, California, WrestleMania 31. So, that those are my thoughts on Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns. Well, anything can change in the course of eight months. I said that before, but if you really think about it, SummerSlam 2013, opening matchup. Terrible matchup, but Kane versus Bray Wyatt and Bray Wyatt's in-ring debut. Eight months later, WrestleMania 30, the biggest WrestleMania of all time. He's facing John Cena, the face of the company. Say what you will about the feud, say what you will about the matchup itself, but he's facing, there's no doubt about it, he faced the face of the company in one of the marquee matches at WrestleMania 30 this past year. So... That's, that goes to my point, like I said before, a lot can change from now until then. You know, Roman Reigns could be the bottom of the card. Dean Ambrose, after they realize, like, this guy's more fucking over than Roman Reigns, maybe they could put him in the main event instead of Roman Reigns. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I look forward to it, though. It should be interesting. We talked about this after SummerSlam, or actually during SummerSlam when he came out at the start of the show. Hulk Hogan. Now, I'm glad the Hulk Hogan's back in WWE. We answered a question in the hashtag I see this week about him being overexposed and how he's not being overexposed. He's played his role well. The talking segment tonight really wasn't anything of no. I don't blame him or Shawn Michaels or anybody. It was just kind of a pointless segment. It really didn't serve any purpose at all. And I'm glad Hulk Hogan's back. You know, he has a role to serve as an ambassador. He can promote the fucking company unlike he did with TNA. He didn't promote the company once. But with that being said, though, he said in a lot of interviews recently, right after the birthday bash, too, and it's a little, you know, confrontation with Brock Lesnar, and he's been saying this even before he came back to WWE about having a match with John Cena, specifically next year at WrestleMania. Now, do you think Brock, I'm sorry, Hulk Hogan will work one more match, and do you personally want to see Hulk Hogan, the former WWE champion and one of, if not, one, if not the single biggest wrestling star in the last 30 years, work one more match? Alright, so Hulk Hogan has made statements that he's in the best shape of his life. And after countless back surgeries, no, all ever as far as he's come, I'm scared to take his word for it. Um, I don't want to see him get in the ring and potentially uh, hurt his career, hurt his hurt his health even more than it already has been tarnished. And that, and having said that, I would not mind seeing him in the ring. I don't think it does a lot for the product. I don't think it does a lot for the company. It would create some nostalgia, but the only, in that case, the only way I can see him doing another match is if it means something, but not everything. Meaning, if he wants to battle at WrestleMania, it's not going to be closing the show. It's going to be at the 30-minute mark against uh, John Cena. Uh, That's what he wants. In a 20-minute... 
kind of clash. Like, I, I, like, even that kind of scares me. And I think that if you have Hulk Hogan legitimately go against John Cena, there's no way he can look. Like, how can John Cena sell Hulk Hogan? How could how could he how could John Cena sell a leg drop? He can't do a leg drop anyway. H- Hogan, he's forbidden to do a leg drop. He can't. No, he's had so many hip surgeries that he can't. All right. He can't take an AA. He's not going to take an STF. That's what I'm saying. You can't well, have him said, do it He anymore. said he's in the best shape of his life. So if we do take his word for it, and let's say we... It's Hulk fucking Hogan. Uh, let's, say we, let's say we see a leg drop. Let's, he's looked a lot better than he ever did in uh, TNA. Let's say we see a leg drop. How the hell is the 15-time WWE champion going to get pinned 1, 2, 3... Following a leg drop, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking anyone who's been pinned by the Hulk Hogan leg drop. It's just, it was a different. Sixty-one years old. It was old. a different time when that move was considered a legitimate threat. We have come across a evolution of wrestling in which there are different holds that present different kinds of, you know, different uh, pains and different uh, predicaments for the WWE superstars. And that John Cena versus Hulk Hogan just doesn't make any sense. And what I'm really trying to say in all this is that Cena can't sell Hogan, and if Hogan beat John Cena, there'd be a large outbreak of, like, well, wh- what does that do? It's just, it's, he got his last match, he's not building towards anything else. John Cena just lost his 61-year-old? 61-year-old, yes. There, there's not, there's not a lot to be gained from a Hogan final match. If it's his dying wish, give him the match. Don't give it to him at Mania. Don't give it to him at SummerSlam. Give it to him at Survivor Series 2015. John Cena versus Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hulk Hogan begs John Cena. That's that's the only arc I can think. Of. Hulk, Hulk Hogan's only in this, and I mean he might want to face John Cena. He's a big John Cena fan. I mean it's not really hard to see why. He's in it for the money. He knows, and we know. I mean I can tell you right now, if Hulk Hogan was billed for a card at WrestleMania, and it being billed as his final match, Hulk Hogan, people are gonna buy that. People would definitely buy that. Would it be a great match? Absolutely not. Do I want to see it? No, I'd much rather never see Hulk Hogan wrestle another match again. But if he's going to, it has to be a tag team match. He can't do a singles match because I don't think, like you even said, I was I, I'm, from the standpoint that I'm taking here, the perspective that I'm taking, I'm thinking from an in-ring action standpoint, the match would be terrible. Rock and Cena would seem like you know a five-star classic compared to a Hogan Cena match. And Cena, at this point in his career. He should not. He doesn't have to be putting over talent WrestleMania. He beat Bray Wyatt, which I still don't agree with. I thought that was dumb. But at this point in his career, he shouldn't be wasted on big time matches with old guys, with matches that aren't going to be good. You know what I mean? And Hulk Hogan, I- I'm pretty sure he said before in the past. I know he said he's in the best shape of his life, and he's a lot. He's looking a lot better now. He's moving around a lot better than he ever did in TNA. But I believe he said in the past that he's banned from ever doing the leg drop again because he would literally crumble in the dust. Because he can't take, he's he's had so many surgeries, but and, and I like your perspective in that from a storyline standpoint it makes no sense. John Cena should not be losing to a sixty-one year old. The Rock was different because he's not even forty yet, or maybe he is. I don't know, but it made more sense. And if John Cena wins, I mean, oh, sure he beats one of the best of all time. He beats The Rock and Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania. Okay, but what where do you go from there? Rock's you know forty-two. What I mean? Rock's forty-two. Forty-two. Right. But you know what I mean. He's in a lot better shape than Hulk Hogan, obviously. He can still wrestle, and that's decent enough. But with that being said, I personally don't want to see Hulk Hogan in another match. If anything, I'd be fine with Hulk Hogan and John Cena teaming up against an up-and-coming tag team. Someone was saying this past year that you could do Cena and for WrestleMania 30, obviously, is a long gone now, but you could do Hogan and Cena versus the Real Americans. And I thought that would have been great. It would have been, would have given a, a, a great rub 
the Jack Swagger and Cesaro, a great tag team while they lasted. And you don't even need to do that. You can do an in-ring segment with Hulk Hogan, which we didn't get this year. He did have that in-ring segment. It wasn't physical, though. Um, I'd be fine with him getting physical as long as it wasn't, you know, just him. If he's teaming with Cena and he wants that marquee money match value on the same car as an Undertaker's thing, I could see why WWE would do that. It's all about the money. If it wasn't all about the money, they wouldn't do Cena versus Brock 2. I'm, I'm sorry, not Cena Brock, Cena Rock 2. If they didn't, because that matchup state made so much money at WrestleMania 28, they would not have repeated the following year if it didn't make money. You know what I mean? So, I'm fine with it if it makes money, if it's good for business. That's the only reason why WWE would do it, but it can't be Cena Hogan. It can't be, because Hogan, for his sake, would die, and he needs to be in a tag team match, if anything. So, any more thoughts on that? I, I could agree with the tag team point in that Hogan would probably... Not even... He could be a six-man tag team. Exactly. But you want to you give Hogan a lesser role than if he was in a one-on-one match. And are you, in, in, in this fantasy tag team match, if you're, what part of the match is Hogan duty? What is, what, what is his aspect of the match? Is he finished? Does he start off? He can't do the leg drops. No, he can't. So, no. so he's got to tag someone for the finish. No, the thing is, because he had a match with Sting, and I think it might have been his final match today. He had a match with Sting, believe it or not, bound for glory a couple of years ago, and I thought it would be an absolute train wreck, and it ended up being one of the best matches on the show, believe it or not, which is comical thinking back on it now, but the reason why it was so good, because the crowd loves Hulk Hogan, they'll pop for anything he does. He doesn't need to do a leg drop. He can just do the, you know, when he catches it, when people run at him, he catches them, and then he punches them, you know, do the, you, that's all he needs to do. To get a, to get a victory? No, 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 no. He could just do that part and oh, tag yeah, well, the part. Oh, they'll pop for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He, I don't even know if he could do a big boot, but he can at least do the punches or something. You know what I mean? The chop. Close it's on. better than a Kali match. It's just, can, if Kali can have a match, I think Hulk Hogan have, can have a match. To be quite honest with you. So that being said, yeah, in a six-man tag team, I'd be fine with it. In a perfect world, I wouldn't have him wrestle at all. Or you can do him as, as a special guest referee. I mean, either or, that'd be fine too. John Cena, Daniel Bryan, Hulk Hogan versus Evolution. Yeah, there you go. go. Book it. Hashtag book it. So, with that being said, um, we still got some time left, and yeah, we might have to go to part two because there's so many different topics to talk about here. Um, Let's get to some TNA-related news in the final 15 minutes or so that we still have left on this part of the podcast. I want to talk about Bully Ray and Kurt Angle. We'll start with Bully Ray here. Um, You broke the news to me first. SummerSlam weekend, I came over here. You said that Bully Ray, they held a talent meeting, and he told the talents... He was on his way out of the company. I didn't believe... Well, I believed you. I mean, I wouldn't say that you were lying about it, but I was shocked because I, I hadn't heard of that before, and I went home that night, and I, and I read about it, and you were absolutely right. And um, it's slowly looking more and more like he's done. I think as of today or this past weekend, his contract has since expired, and he has now the right to you know, negotiate with whoever he wants. So with that being said, multiple-part question here. One, what do you think about Bully Ray leaving TNA? Two... Do you think he'll end back up in TNA? What did you think of his run? Blah, 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 blah. And especially considering he's going to be in the Hall of Fame this year, or was supposed to be inducted, or will be inducted, I don't know. And part three, do you think a potential jump to WWE is possible? All right, so Bully Ray's tenure in TNA has definitely run his course. He's been in the company for years, especially now as a singles competitor. He's been doing the same kind of gimmick that he's been doing, you know, for uh, about three or four years now is the yep. whole, the Bully Ray. Um, so it's, I, I feel as though he's definitely run his course as a, as a single star in TNA, 
and especially uh, these past couple weeks in the Manhattan Center, uh, teaming with Devon, it was kind of like a nice little send-off for his career at TNA, a nice little encore. Yep. We got everything we wanted to see in Bully Ray and Devon versus the Hardy Boys. You know, we really saw what we've been waiting for, and I think that's the perfect send-off for Bully Ray to go pursue other endeavors. Do I see him? In the, I'm going to jump straight to the question, whatever, the elf in the room. Do I see Bully Ray in the WWE? No, I don't. And you and me have talked. They're right now, well, after this past Raw that we just watched, my <laughs> opinions changed a little bit. But the, at the moment, we don't have room for any, really any stars to, to jump ship. Yep. Um, like I said, I've said this, you can quote me again, WWE right now is a young man's game. Uh, whoever who, whoever can get over quickest is going to be the new guy. There's not going to be a lot of jumping ships like there was previously. There's not going to be a lot of part-timers other than Brock Lesnar. There's not going to be a lot of part-timers coming in and taking a little spotlight because right now we have a wave of youth, a youth movement, mm-hmm. all going for the brass ring right now. So Bully Ray coming in, I don't see him even in a, in a mid-card kind of use. There's really nothing you can do with him in the WWE at this moment. When when all when the current youth are now all washed up, I mean, Bully Ray's 50 years old and he wants to come back and be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, sure, you can give him that kind of little uh, a, a token of appreciation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, give, him, give him the Hall of Fame if you want. Give him and Dave on the Hall of Fame. But at the moment, and for the foreseeable future, there's, not, there's no way that a, a, a single superstar in Bully Ray can... Uh, make it in the WWE, which is now a, a young man's game, as I've said. Can, uh, would he be successful in the indie scene? 100%. He'd make a lot of money in the indie scene. Um, New Japan. Could he go there? He's, he's beloved in Japan. Um, Global Force. Jeff Jarrett's new promotion. Potential. Um, I, I'm thinking that Jeff Jarrett will want to go a different route and maybe not having all these old guys coming into his company. That's what House of Hardcore, I believe, with Tommy Dreamer, he runs his own promotion out of New York, and he might even go there because he's uh, appeared for them a few times, and that's a lot of, like, old ECW guys. That's so 1997, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? More, it's 2014, we talked about this when we went camping, and the focus on the ECW talent when, at the recent TNA Manhattan tapings, and at the show that I went to, it wasn't like that at all. These are taped for later this month, or in early September, I think. Um, so with that being said, though, I like the fact they moved away from that, especially after the, the whole Dixie Carter went through a table thing. They moved away from that. They still have Rhino on there, but I think Dreamer's gone for right now. But, um, yeah, going back to your point, you don't, you think Bully Ray will still be successful in the Indies? Uh, he, he's, he's Bully freaking Ray. He's made... He, and he's proved me wrong. I mean, if you brought me back to 2003 and the current shape he was in and just his character over, overall, if you told me he would be a legitimate singles competitor, I wouldn't have believed you. In fact, I would have thought you were crazy. Yep. So the fact that he's legitimized himself as a single star, not only a single star, but a, a top single star, I think that he can go to the indie scene, not only make a lot of money, but, you know, really further his career. He, I, to, to me, he still has a lot of matches out there. He can. He's not, he's not done. He's not saying. done. His in his in ring work is still solid. It's as still ever. solid. So he can he can hold his own in there. Was he ever a ring general? No. But can I see him going out there? You no. Know, going to uh, smaller shows, smaller indie scenes, making a lot of Absolutely. money. Absolutely. Getting getting over with the fans. One hundred percent. So this is what scares me. Okay, TNA. I don't know if you know this or not, but they made a big deal about a lot of their signings recently. Oh, we signed Sam Shaw to a two year deal. Congratulations. We signed DJZ to a 10-year deal. Awesome. 
But we can't sign the face of our company. And I do think Bully Ray is the face of the company, with AJ Styles being gone. Would you or would you not agree that Bully Ray has been the face of TNA for the last couple of months in the New York tapings, given the fact that it's his home turf, ECW? He was the one who put Dixie Carter through a table. Has he not been the most over guy in the TNA tapings? This is my test for um, any professional wrestling. If you're looking to see the face of the company, close your eyes and say the name of the promotion as your eyes are closed, and the first image that comes up in, in your brain is the face of the company. And when I do that, Bully Ray is definitely the first guy I think of. He's been so well, over, currently, at least. Well, currently, he's been, and previously, he's been so over in the uh, Manhattan Center. He's been, he's, even um, since the Aces and Aids angle they did. Um, I thought the summer, group was terrible, but he was a great heel, though. But he really came across as a, as a new kind of threat to impact. And he really, did, yeah, yeah. He yeah. really reestablished his character yep. with, with all new dynamics that I haven't, I never expected out of him. So I think that his his recent work would definitely legitimize him and put him at the top of the TNA uh, mountain. So I would say with AJ Styles being gone and the fact that TNA has come not only come a long way but evolved and it's devolved and it's done a lot of uh, mountains and valleys. A lot of changes. A lot yeah. of changes. Uh, the last year, two years, I'd say Bully Ray is was the top guy. And now that he's gone, you got to find. Not only not not only a new top guy, but now that you're out of the Manhattan Center, you got to find a new way to entertain people, especially from a struggling company like TNA. Without a TV deal at this point in time, too, they're on spike till the end of the year, so it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for TNA. But yeah, I I would I would never want to see a company like TNA uh, tank. No, any, absolutely any, not. Anything no. of that nature. They they work too hard, and they and the the talent there is is too prestigious. Like I. I I would never want to see, you know, Mr. Anderson struggling to get uh, food on his family's table. Like Same thing with Jeff Hardy and James all those Storm. guys. James there's, Storm, there's no, Bobby Roode, there's man. There's no re- there's so, there's, like, as, as debatable as the greatness of their promotion is, they're great talent, and they could get over anywhere. So I'd rather have TNA improve than have, you know, a monopoly of professional wrestling, as we've had. Uh, it, for the past decade. Exactly, exactly. And how they handle the Bully Ray situation, I have no idea. He's going to the Hall of Fame this year, so if he's not under contract at TNA, which he isn't at this point in time, how they pull that off? Will they only induct Devon? And he's involved, like I told you, in that triple threat tag team title series with the Hardys, the Wolves, and Team 3D. They taped three of the four of those matches at the taping. One of them was at the, one of the shows that I went to. They taped them the Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The following match, or the next, the final match, will take place at the next set of tapings, whenever that is, maybe next month. Not in New York, I think in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, or wherever it is. Um, so how they handle that, I have no idea. One half of the World Tag Team Champions, Davey Richards, recently broke his leg. And I think he, he said, I heard today that it was a minor break, or read today that it was a minor break. So he might be back by that point in time, but TNA is in a lot of hot shit right now in that, in that respect, considering that's one of their biggest angles right now. Um, but to go on to your point in, in regards to him going to WWE, I've seen a lot of people, and it's very, not funny, but I just found it very interesting that a lot of people are like, oh, well, he can go to WWE now. I never really saw Bully Ray as being one of those guys that I really wanted to get out of TNA, because he would flourish in WWE. As Bully Ray, you know that heel, that dick persona that he had going for a while, like when he was making fun of Brooke Hogan as the Aces and Ace leader, Go back to 2012 when he was like when he was losing a lot. Remember that he lost almost every pay per view he was on. All that shit. 
um, when he almost won the Bound for Glory series. He was doing great. He was doing the best work of his career, which is funny because four years ago, you and I were sitting right there and we were talking about how Team 3D was set to split up, and I'm like, that is garbage. I have no desire to see Bully Ray or Devon, Bubba Ray, I'm sorry, in singles competition ever. He proved me wrong. Devon, maybe not so much. I'm still bored by him as a singles guy. Bully Ray proved me wrong in being one of the most entertaining aspects, not only in TNA, but in all of wrestling. I thought he was tremendous. He is great as a babyface heel. I think he's better as a heel. But with that being said, as that dick asshole heel, he could get over huge in WWE. In a PG environment? No. Like, WWE would not take Bully Ray as Bully Ray. They would take him back as Bubba Ray. And the last time that he was in WWE, what was he doing, John? He was, uh, uh, wasn't he a fledgling singles competitor? No, no, they, they, they did a fledgling singles competitor in that draft, in like, yeah, 02 or something, yeah, but... Uh, they were still Team 3D, but they were doing nothing. They were over on SmackDown. They, feud, they had a terrible feud with The Undertaker. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, they were doing nothing. That, that, what I'm saying is that the last time that WWE fans consider TNA as non-existent, which to a lot of fans it is, consider that in that Bully Ray, Bobby Ray, the last time we saw him on WWE TV was as a tag team guy. One of the best tag teams of all time. Absolutely. Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame ballot? Absolutely. Right. But with that being said, though, the last time we saw him, he's a tag team guy. Why would I ever buy him as a threat to John Cena, which I think would be a great feud? Okay. Him and Punk could have a phenomenal promos on the mic in any indie show. But in WWE, they would let they would let Bubba Ray be, you know, the stuttering, you know, blabbermouth or something. You know what I mean? Have him be a joke. He would. It would not be the same Bully Ray that you see in TNA. I don't know why a lot of people don't understand that. He would not be able to be himself. So, and he wouldn't, it would not at all be a threat to Brock Lesnar. Would Brock Lesnar versus Bubba Ray get over as a pay-per-view <laughs> main event? Brock Lesnar versus Bubba Ray. <laughs> Bubba Ray. This is Bubba Ray in 2014, TNA Bully Ray? Uh, maybe. WWE Bubba Ray? No, I, no one would buy that the shit. Yeah, the yellow camo. and Yeah, the, yeah, no, absolutely not. Especially not a 10-year-old who knows who doesn't know the, who the fuck he is. Why would I pay $10 a month? to see Bubba Ray challenge the World Heavyweight Championship at a pay-per-view. I would not. I don't know why people are saying that. In a dream fantasy world, if you were to come over, if we were playing SVR 07 and he was traded from TNA to WWE, sure, absolutely. But it's not. It's a dream scenario. I just don't see it happening. And like you said, he's like 40-something years old. If anything, they would bring him in to be a trainer. And even if that... And that's not even taking into account all the heat that he has from what I've heard with guys like Randy Orton, who has a problem with everybody. Um, and a lot of guys backstage in WWE. So, in a nutshell, I don't see him going to WWE. I don't have any real desire. I think, like you said before, he's on the indie scene. But could you see, potentially, as a package deal, Team Bubba 3D? Ray, Devon, yes. not only going back, but Hall of Fame. Yes. I think they're completely... Not, forget what they did in the earlier part of the um, uh, 21st century, but what they did to... ECW, indie ECW, and uh, ending the 20th century... With the Hardys, Edge and Christian, uh, SummerSlam uh, 2000, WrestleMania 16 Triangle, uh, 17, 17 TLC 2, yes. SmackDown TLC 3. Yeah, they've they've brought a lot of eyes to the product. I think that they're they're completely in line for Hall of Fame ballot. I mean, they're as completely deserving as anyone else. So I I see them coming back in the WWE at some point. Maybe not in an active position, but definitely as Hall of Famers. Is there money in a Team 3D reunion? I believe so 100%. in WWE. 
Team 3D versus the Usos for the it. WWE Tag Team Titles, WrestleMania it. 31 and 32. If the New Age Outlaws can do it, Bubba Ray. Oh, absolutely. And I like the New Age Outlaws. Their heel run was a complete flop. That was a waste of time. And I'm thinking back on it, considering the fact that it ruined all the Rhodes Brothers' momentum, but that's another rant for another day. I do think there's money in a Team 3D or Dudley Boys reunion in WWE. As Bubba Ray in WWE, there's no money in that whatsoever. People do not care to see Bubba Ray in 2014, a 42-year-old guy, challenge Brock Lesnar for the WWE World Heavyweight title in the main event of a pay-per-view for WWE. So that being said, that's going to close our discussion on Bully Ray. We're closing in on the one-hour mark, so I'll have to close out on this episode here, and we'll have to bring it back for the next week for another... Two, we'll have to do another uh, a two-part interview here. There's still a lot more to talk about. We still have to talk about, like I said before, Kurt Angle coming back to WWE, which is a big topic we were talking about during Raw. <laughs> so we'll talk about that. You suck. You suck. Oh, great stuff. Great Come stuff. back. Come back. We need to see Kurt Angle back in WWE. We'll talk about that in next week's episode. Whole list of topics right here. Um, let's see, Cesaro and Paul Heyman, we'll be talking about that. SmackDown moving to Thursdays, Impact's moving to Wednesdays, Alberto Del Rio, I know you really want to talk about that. Rey Mysterio, Monday Night Wars, Tom Phillips, Dean Ambrose, WWE Studios, New Nation of Domination, we talked about that before. A lot of stuff to talk about, and what we will close out on in next week's show, if we don't go for three parts, we'll have to wait and see. The superstars of every year, dating back to 1985, who was the superstar of the year in 1994. As, as um, thought of by us. As conceptualized yes. by us. Not the Slammy Awards yeah. and John Cena being the superstar of the year for 2012, even though we did nothing. The superstars, in our opinion, dominated each respective year of the company. And we really did our best to diversify each and every year who represented we, each year well for the company. We gave nobody, I think, more we, than one year. We did have one repeat. Our, that was early on in the 80s, was, if you we, can guess won, who that is. And I think we had 195, 96. Oh, yeah, 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 so yeah. So those were our own two repeats. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, that, that being said, that will be on part two of the podcast with the Wrestle Rant Radio. This will be on, part two will be actually on after John goes to college next week. And this episode, um, part two, September 2nd, will be the final episode of Wrestle Rant Radio. It's actually perfect. It worked out this way. That'll be in podcast form, because then I'll be going back to school on that Tuesday, September 2nd, even though I will be back on campus that day, I'm not doing the show that night, maybe the next week, we'll have to wait and see, but more than likely, that will be the final podcast form of WrestleRant Radio, so John, we're here for history right now, awesome. sitting here hours removed from the one of the worst episodes of Monday Night Raw in WWE history. But um, before we close out, for those of you that did not listen to our previous interviews with John or the next week's episode, and what you should, John, make sure to plug your stuff, your column, your Twitter, everything. All right, John Nichols, baby. Uh, you can check me out at Heel by Design, at Heel by Design. I am a uh, new columnist now for Graham's website, which is... NextDayArrestingThatWeBelieve.com I have a new column entitled John's Jargon, and if you could check that out, give it a read, please do. So, with that being said, we will be back pretty soon with part two of our interview with John Nichols at Yoba Design on the Twitter. And like I said before, nextdaywrestling.weebly.com, you can check out new editions of John Jargons, John's Jargons, excuse me, all the time. He's working on, as we speak, a new column. 
um, for the, for the column about what are you going to be talking about, John? The longevity um, of paper. This is uh, this is a little uh, preview for you guys. The yes. Longevity of pay per views, actually longevity of matches in the WWE. How much longer can we see the Royal Rumble? It's a very good topic, never before you know discussed by a lot of people, or at least from what I've seen. So you'll see that upcoming within the next couple of days. That's going to be pretty nice. Next year, weebly.com. You can visit it for only nine ninety nine. No, I'm just kidding. You can visit it for free. $9.98. You got no, That's a TNA network. That's how much the TNA network is. Nine ninety seven. Exactly. So that being said, I'm at WrestleRant on the Twitter. He's at Hyo by Design. We'll see you next week with part two of this epic interview. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening live or taped to this WrestleRant radio. Live taped. Live taped episode. We're like a, we're airing live an episode of TNA when they say we're airing live even yeah. though it was taped like fucking three months ago. We're an episode of TNA with ten times that. Thanks for listening, folks. We'll be back next week.